Hey everybody at all of our life churches and all of our network churches. Today we're in the second week of a two-part series called Love and Hate. But everybody's asking about it and everybody's talking about it. Next week, we start a brand new series called The End. What's going to happen in the end times? You may know people who are wondering, friends that don't normally go to church, they're actually interested in this subject. We're gonna talk about the rapture and the return of Christ. We're gonna talk about what takes place in heaven after we leave this earth. We're gonna look at the book of Revelation and look at some of the most important verses that talk about end times. It all starts next week. Today, wrapping up our two-week series called Love and Hate, Pastor Sam Roberts has been with me on staff almost since the very beginning. He actually oversees all of the different campuses. He's got a great message for you today on what God actually hates. Would you please give a warm welcome for Pastor Sam Roberts. Well, we want to welcome all of you at our LifeChurch.tv locations, those of you at our network churches, and of course, all of you across the globe at Church Online. It is always great to have you with us as a part of the family. Uh, today, we are going to be wrapping up the series entitled Love and Hate, as Pastor Craig talked about. But before we do, just a uh, brief something. My name is Sam Roberts. I'm one of our directional leadership team members here. And I just want to say, uh, man, what an honor and a privilege it is to be able to stand up here and fill in for our senior pastor, Craig. Uh, and I'll tell you, one of the things in our lives sometimes is we're exposed to things that are just really amazing. They become less amazing over time because I just kind of call it the numbness of freak and uh, man, I'll tell you what, every single week, week in, week out, uh, man, Craig brings some of the most relevant life application Bible teaching that I have ever heard. I've been with him, as he mentioned, for almost going on 15 years, and that's what brought me to this church is the amazing uh, application of God's Word in my life, hearing something on the weekend that I could apply to my life on the weekend. I just truly appreciate his leadership and what he puts in to week in, week out uh, for all of us to be able to get closer to God. So it's truly an honor to be able to fill in for him. He will be back next week, um, beginning the series entitled The End. Many people have always wondered, well, when is the beginning of the end. Well, it's next week, okay? So you'll want to make sure to tell all your friends and everybody you know to come on and be a part and uh, hear about the beginning of the end. When, what does the Bible say about the end times? Really, really good stuff. You're going to want to be here. Craig's going to be back. He'll be on fire, so make sure you put it on your calendars. Today, we are wrapping up the series Love and Hate. There are some things God loves. We talked last week about those things that God loves. One of those things that we talked about is the fact that he loves to take broken, hurting people and make beautiful things. Today, we're going to be talking about what God hates. But before we do, I need to know, how many of you would say, you know what, I hate reality TV. I mean, like really, give me a drama, give me a comedy, give me something, but don't put reality TV in front of me. How many of you say, no, 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 no. It's great, man. The granddaddy of them all, Survivor, get a little bachelor in there, throw a little honey boo-boo in the mix. It's all good. It's all good. And okay, okay, we got some reality TV folks in here. How many of you say, you know what? I hate Apple products. It's just like, what's the hype all about? Give me an Android phone any day. I don't need the Apple products. People standing in line. How many of you say, no, 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 no. Apple is awesome. My iPad, my iPhone, my iLife, everything. Yeah, I, mean, I know. I mean, like, where would we be without Apple Maps, right? 
Well, we wouldn't know anyway because it doesn't really work, right? <laughs> so, and, and then how many of you would say, you know what? I hate skinny jeans. It's like, why did that ever come back? What's going on? Why are people wearing skinny jeans? How many of you say, no, no, you guys need to get with the times, man. Get some fad thing going on. Get some skinny jeans on. All right, okay. Well, I don't wear skinny jeans personally because, well, I mean, I'm a man, and so I decided that's <laughs> probably not the thing to do. Actually, you know what? Actually, there are some of you guys out there who can pull them off, and that's great. We all don't know how you pull them off because those things are so tight <laughs> down there on your ankles. I don't quite get it, but just messing with you guys. Love and hate. What are some of the things that God loves? What are the things that God hates? Because, uh, man, it's pretty important for us in the relationships with people we love to do that which they love and to not do what they hate, right? And sometimes it's a little confusing because we're like, does God really hate stuff? Because, like, don't we teach our kids? Like, you know, if, you know, your kid comes in, he's like, I hate Johnny. He broke my crayons. I hate him. You're like, you don't hate Johnny. Oh, you don't. He just, he was bad or whatever. But we don't hate, right? Does God really hate something? Well, yes, is the answer to that. It's actually found in the book of Proverbs, chapter 6. And we will go to the Bible uh, to get a list of the things right here in Proverbs 6 that God hates. Right here in Scripture, it says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Now, did you notice that when I said there are things God hates, I'm going to list them off here from Proverbs 6. Everybody sat up a little straighter and we're like, okay, I'm going to get my pen out. I'm going to get this going. I'm going to get my, my computer ready because I don't want to know because I don't want to be on God's hate list, right? If Santa's got a naughty list and I don't want to be on it, I sure enough don't want to be on God's hate list, right? Everybody's kind of like, why? well, why do we do that? Well, the reason we do is because in relationships, we don't want to do something that the person that we love hates, right? Why? Well, when we do, it creates a distance from that individual. And, and that distance breeds a loneliness, right? And that is really at the center of what we're talking about today. And have you ever felt that distance, felt distant from God, right? There's a lot of things that can make us feel distant from God. Sometimes it's that untimely death of a loved one, right? Or, or it could be that, man, you, you just feel like, I don't have any close relationships, no close friends, and I've been trying to connect with people, right? Or, or it could be that, you know, you feel stuck in this dead-end job, and I keep serving God, I keep doing this, I keep doing all these things for God, and I'm just stuck in this situation, and nothing ever goes my way. I take one step forward, I get two steps back, and just, it just feels like, I don't know, where is God in this? I thought I was doing stuff. Or could be that, you know, you walk into one of our locations or at a network church and you're looking around and people are singing and you're like, man, all these people are connecting with God. Or maybe you're at church online and you're looking over in the chat and you're like, these people really seem to be excited and connected with God. And man, I just don't feel it. And, and it distances you, right? It creates that feeling of distance. And that distance, it breeds that loneliness. And that loneliness is at the center of what we're going to talk about today. What is it that God hates? Well, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down because this is really a pivotal thought for our study today on what it is that God hates. What is it that God hates? If you're taking notes, God hates 
the loneliness we feel from the distance we create. God hates that loneliness, that, that void, that thing inside of us that just feels like there's miss, it's just something's missing, that loneliness that we feel from that distance we create. Now you say, how do we create a distance from God? Well, there's several different ways that we do that. Two that we're going to look at today. Uh, in fact, if you're taking notes, the first thing that distances us from God, if you're taking notes, is this, that our sin distances us from God. Romans chapter 3, the Bible says that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What does that mean? It means it's just every single one of us, me, the person who sang the music before I, uh, I got up here on the stage, the people next to you, the people behind you, everybody. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But here's the deal. God hated that loneliness that we feel because that sin distances us. Remember, and it creates that loneliness. God hated that so much that he actually sent his only son, Jesus, into the world so that we could be saved. And in fact, in the book of John, chapter 3, verse 17, the Bible says, and for God sent his son into the world, not to condemn the world, but to save it through him. You see, God hated that loneliness. What is it that God hates? God hates that loneliness that we feel from the distance that we create and that our sin distances us from God. It's a little bit like this. The other day, I was out with my son Benjamin, who's seven, and we were getting acorns, and we were cutting them open to see what's inside. And so we were doing that. Well, we get the first one, and we cut it, and it was nasty. It was all rotten and everything. There was this acorn weevil inside, and I'm like, oh, how disgusting. It's gross. And so I'm like, oh, let's try this next one. So I look at it, and I'm like, well, this one looks good. Let's try that one. So he cuts that one open. Same thing. Rotten. Decay. I'm like, oh, gracious. So I grab two of them, and I look at them, and I'm like, Okay, they look good, buddy. I'm like, try that one. Same thing. I'm like, it's an, in, it's an infestation. This is crazy. They're everywhere, right? And I'm like, well, okay, well, let's try this one. We try that one. He cuts it, healthy. I'm like, they look the same. I don't get it. So I'm like, well, what do you do when you got questions in life? You consult Google, right? So me and Ben run inside, and we're talking to Google. Like, Google, why, you know, the acorns? And so we begin to do a little research, and here's what we found out, that the female acorn weevil, actually lays eggs on the acorn when it's just a barely a little bud and the acorn grows around the egg. The egg hatches and it eats the acorn from the inside out, causing it to rot and decay. But on the outside, it looks just fine. But on the inside, it's rotten and decaying. This reminds me of something we see in Scripture where Jesus looks on at the Pharisees and he, he tells them, he says, hey, you guys, you guys are like whitewashed tombs. You look good on the outside. You're all cleaned up and pretty, but on the inside, you're full of death and decay. That's exactly what sin does to us, right, on the inside. In, in fact, there's a beautiful illustration of this, of this fact in James chapter 1. We see it illustrated for us very, very well. The Bible says, that here's the deal, for desire when it's conceived, right, desire gives birth to sin, okay? Now, here's the thing. Follow me on this. Here, remember Proverbs 6? We talked about the things God hates. Our desires are actually consistent with the things that God hates. Our natural state, the way that we normally think, it's actually at odds with the way God thinks. It's actually a part of what God hates. We naturally are bent that direction, okay? Our desire, the Bible says in James 1, our desire, once it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then sin, when it's full grown, it gives birth 
to death. The book of James says, death, decay, rot. That's exactly what was going on inside of that acorn. And that's exactly what goes on inside of our hearts when we're apart from God. And that distance breeds loneliness. And that is what God hates. God hates that loneliness we feel from the distance we create. What creates that distance? Well, our sin distances us from God. Now, that's not the only thing that will distance us from God. There's also another thing, and this is really for those of us who would say, you know what, I believe in God and I follow Jesus. If you're in that camp today, then I want to tell you, here's another thing that will distance you from God. Point number two, if you're taking notes, is this, is that our complacency distances us from God. Our complacency distances us from God. Craig uh, wrote a great book called The Christian Atheist. And in that book, really the thesis of it is, is this idea that a Christian atheist is a person who believes in God, but then lives their life as if he doesn't exist. So, in other words, I believe in God, I follow Jesus, but it doesn't affect my practical, everyday living. You may say, how does that exactly happen? Well, in Scripture, we see in Proverbs, actually, chapter um, 1, the Bible says that for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. That's harsh. The Bible says the complacency of fools will destroy them. In other words, we, when we find ourselves becoming complacent, the Bible says, you're a fool, and it's going to destroy you. Well, how does that work in our, our day-to-day lives? Well, let's just talk about that. So what happens is we kind of come over here, and we kind of have this moment. We go to church or whatever, and we have this moment with God, right? And we get on what I like to call like the spiritual high. And we say, whoa, I love it, man. God, I'm with you. We're connected. I'm in your word. I'm, I'm feeling like we're, we're together, right? And then what happens? Here's what happens. Uh, different things. Something distracts us. And we're like, God, I love you, but wow, did you see that play? That was amazing. Hold on a sec. Somebody DVR, roll that back. Was his foot in bounds? No, surely not. Are you kidding? Hold on, God. Uh, Man, I'll tell you what. God, hey, I'll get back to you right after the sports season's over, okay? We'll get back together. Or or, or we go over here and we say, hey, God, man, I I really love you. And, man, we're together. And I love you. And and everything's good. And I'm in your word. and, And then... Oh, the boss gave me an opportunity to do this project. God, you know how long I've been praying to get a little promotion. And if I do good on this project, I know it's going to pull me away. It's going to be days and nights, and, and, and it's going to be really difficult. But, but you know if I do this, it's going to really, we've been praying about this. You just stay right there. i got to go work on this project. Because when I get it done, I'll be back. Right? Or we go over here, and we're like, God, I love you. I'm with you. We're connected. We're good. And you're like, ow, hang on a second. Johnny's got to get to soccer practice, and Sarah got to get to ballet and to gymnastics um, because, man, she's going to the Olympics one day. And and I'm telling you, listen, God, I'll be back as soon as school's over, okay? Back in May, you don't go anywhere, right? You pretty much stay there. Okay, I'm going to go over here. Okay, what's the problem? It seems like it might be obvious, but we do it all the time, right? Here's the problem. In plain, simple English, let me just spell it out. This is what happens. We do this because I've done this in my life. I've done that and gotten distracted. Here's what happens. We're close to God. Something distracts us. We run over here, right? What do we do? We've just created this distance, okay? That distance 
then breeds a loneliness inside of us. And for those of you who follow Christ, it breeds complacency. What's the problem with that? Well, let me tell you. Here's what the problem with complacency is. Because when we get distant from God, all of a sudden those things that used to be vile and sick to us really aren't that bad anymore. Like this. Like we begin to kind of see sin a little different. And we'll kind of slip our arm around it and be like, it ain't so bad. I kind of like you. You know, we kind of befriend it. We put another arm around it. We kind of like our sin all of a sudden. We even hook a leg around it sometimes because we just are so attached to it, you know. And we just love it, right? And we just begin to, to hold on to it. And, and, and but, but before, it used to make it vile to us, right? And we were like, no, 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 I don't like it. And, but, but then what we do, we love it so much that we give it these little names, these sugar-coated names to make it sound appealing, especially in Christian circles. People will say stuff like this. They'll say, well... I really messed up last night. Actually, let's call it what it is. Really what you did is you sat at your computer and looked at porn for three hours. That's what you did. Or we, or we say, well, I'm just struggling with some anxiety right now. No, actually, you don't trust God to provide for you. Or, or, or we, say, we say something like, I'm just having trouble getting into God's word. I don't know how many times I've heard that. I'm just having trouble getting time to time with God's word. And I've said that. You know what I say to myself? No, actually, I got something more important in my life than God. Call it what it is. That's what it is. Or, or we say, oh, you know what? It's just a little flirting, right? It's just a little flirting at work. It's completely innocent. There's no way anything's going to happen. Really? The truth is you want her more than your wife, and you're spending way too much time with her. That's the truth. Or we say, well, it's my only vice, and it's actually kind of socially acceptable. It's really kind of okay. Uh, truth? No, you're looking for peace at the bottom of an ice cream container than you are than looking from the prince of peace himself. Our sin, when we hear it as it is, we're like, that's gross. That's garbage. But remember, that complacency, that distance creates a complacency. Right? And, and we begin to, to think of those things that used to just be like, ugh, I would never do that. And now all of a sudden we find ourselves right in the middle of it. How did we get there? We got distracted, we got distant, we got complacent, and now we're over here in this place where we're lonely. And God hates the loneliness we feel from the distance that we create. We have to see our sin for what it really is, because what it really is is when you hear it like that, you think to yourself, just like I do, that's garbage. That's garbage, right? And, and that's exactly what Paul talks about in Philippians chapter 3. He says this in Scripture, what is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Paul says, there's nothing better than knowing Jesus. There's no sin. There's no distraction. Nothing is better than knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And I consider them, help me out, I consider them garbage, right? I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. We have to come to a place where we realize that that stuff is just garbage. And it creates a distance which breeds a loneliness. God hates that loneliness. Have you ever felt distant from God? The answer to that is yes. 
Every single one of us have felt distant from God. Myself, you, person next to you, everybody, right? Different seasons in our life where we kind of feel this, we kind of ebb and flow, and we feel that distance from God, right? And here's the deal. If you feel that way today, understand this. You're actually in good company. There's a lot of people in Scripture. Many times we, we feel that loneliness, and we begin to feel like nobody else feels this way. And this is not true. It's a lie, okay? There's actually, as we said, everybody has felt that way at one time or another. And in Scripture, we see examples of many people who have, who've, had this experience. We see in actually in the book of uh, Psalms chapter 10, we see David, the man after God's own heart, say these words. He says, why, Lord, do you stand far off? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? You feel that loneliness? That's just deep hurt. You feel that? That's some deep, deep hurt. I think about the example in Scripture of Peter, one of the disciples of Jesus. Jesus had told him, hey, everybody's, you're going to all deny me. Peter says, are you kidding me? I'm not going anywhere. I'm with you. Jesus says, no, actually, in fact, you're going to deny me three times before the rooster crows. He's like, no way. Well, in the book of Luke, it records that at the third time that Peter denies Christ, actually, Jesus is walking by, hears it, and they turn and lock eyes. Could you imagine having denied Christ verbally within his own earshot and you guys locking eyes, being close enough to see Christ but distant in your heart? The Bible actually records that Peter went out and wept bitterly. Can you feel that distance, the loneliness he must have felt? And Jesus himself, in the book of Matthew, chapter 27, says this when he was hanging on the cross in excruciating pain for my sin and for yours. He says this, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You hear that loneliness? That feeling of distance? So here's the thing that we have to understand. Today, if you're feeling Distant from God. I want you to write this down because this is really important to understand. Write this down in your notes. If you feel distant from God, God is not distant from you. You see, when we feel distant from God, God's not distant from us. It's kind of like this. No matter where we go, in our highest highs... And in our lowest of lows, God is still with us. God is there no matter how great times are. God is there no matter how bad times are. And when we feel distant from God, God is not distant from us. We see this played out in the book of Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. It doesn't matter what you did last night. doesn't matter what you're going to do tonight. You know what? There's nothing that you can do that can separate you from the love of Christ that is in, that is the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter how great you are, how wonderful you are, how many songs you've sung, or anything. There's nothing you can do that would separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you go to the highest heights, 
is God still there? The answer is yes. If you go to the bottom of the sea, is God still there? Yes. And if you run as far as you can run, is God still there? Yes. If you go to Walmart, is God still there? Yes. The cashiers may not be there, but God is there. Okay? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. When we feel distant from God, God is not distant from us. God hates the loneliness that we feel from that distance that we create. God hates the loneliness we feel from the distance we create. It's a little bit like this. I got two acorns here, right? So what happens to an acorn when it's got an acorn weevil in it and it's got death and rot and decay? What happens when it falls from the tree? Nothing. You could say death. But what happens to an acorn that's healthy, that's good and pure and right and ready to go, and it falls to the ground? You could say life. It can grow an oak. What happens to us when we're full of death and decay and desires that are bent away from the things of God and we just, you know, and that, we have that loneliness. What, what happens? Death. What happens when we realize, you know what? God so loved me. He hated that loneliness, that thing that I feel, that gnawing inside so much. He actually sent his son so that I could be made clean. And my desires that once were bent towards the things that he hates can, can begin to be renewed, as the scripture says. And I can begin to have a mind that thinks on things that are pure and noble and right and all those kinds of things. And I can have a, a different kind of life. Well, you could say that life happens. When we feel distant from God, understand that God is not distant from us. What is it? that God hates. Well, God hates the loneliness that we feel from the distance we create. Let's all pray. Father, I just thank you for your word that does not return void. I thank you for your goodness in all of our lives and the fact that you continue to pursue us regardless of whether we pursue you praying today, there's, man, there's those of us who, man, you're, you know what, you're a follower of Christ, and, uh, and you, you'd say, you know what, Sam, as we sat here and talked, and we talked about complacency and distance from God, I've realized that I've allowed a little bit of complacency there to slip into my life, and it's causing a little bit of distance, man, I want to, I want to commit today to say, you know what, I'm going to make that right. If that's you, just lift up your hand and say, you know what, man, that's me, would you pray for me? Yeah, hands going up all over the place, church online, click right below me. Uh, man, God, I just pray for all of us with hands lifted that, that um, Father, you would give us the strength uh, in those moments where it's so easy to sometimes get distracted and, become, and, and grow distant. I pray that you would continually remind us of the sacrifice you made. 
And God, that we would continue to keep our minds bent toward you and that we would be reminded of the sacrifice you made and that, God, you would help, to, help us to, to stay on that path that leads to you, not away from you. I pray that we would have the perseverance and the strength to do so. Still praying today, there's those of you whom God has brought to uh, all of our locations and to church online. And you know what? He's brought you here to simply hear this, that you know what? As part of his creation, God misses you. You know, we felt that loneliness, but he's felt the loneliness from you. He's missed you. And you know what? Here's the deal. He hates that so much. He hates that loneliness. He hates not being with you so much, that distance that sin creates between you and him, that he did this. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, not to come into the world to condemn the world, as we saw in John 3, but to save it through him. The Bible says that every single one of us have sinned, and we separate, we distance ourselves from God through that sin. But God made it right through the sacrifice of sending his son, Jesus, to come in and offer us a chance for new life, for purpose, for meaning, and for forgiveness from our sin. There are those today whom God has brought here to hear that beautiful truth that you can be made right through a relationship with Christ. All you have to do is say, Jesus, come in, take over, and be my Lord, be my Savior. I can't do this thing on my own. I feel lonely. I've been trying to put things into my life to figure out this loneliness piece, but you're the only one who satisfies, and it's in you I find new life. It's in you I find hope, and it's in you I find forgiveness. Those of you today at all of our locations in Church Online say, that is exactly why God has brought me here, to find a relationship with Christ. That is why I am here. All of you who would say, that's my prayer today, lift up your hands boldly right now and say, yes, Jesus, come in. Yes, right here in the front row, welcome into God's family. All three of you, others of you, yes, back here in the back left, welcome into God's family. Those of you at church online, click right below me. Over here to my right, yes, welcome into God's family. A new relationship, new life in Christ back here in the far back right, welcome into God's family. Yes, over here to my right, welcome into God's family. Man, it's a decision that is changing eternity for folks. Those of you at Church Online, as as people continue uh, to just raise their hands and say yes to a relationship with Christ, let's all pray this prayer with those uh, making this decision here today. Everybody pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die in my place on the cross. Forgive me of my sins. Make me a new creation. And help me to live each day with purpose, with meaning, and with hope in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say it.